Well, if you want to know if this was a successful recruiting weekend for OU football or how successful of a weekend it was for OU football recruiting, you really don't have to look that far. Because count them, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five new crystal balls are in for Parker Thune. Uh, I'm here to tell you, judging off Parker Thune's crystal balls he put in this morning, it was a pretty good weekend for OU football recruiting, Mr. Thune. You like the way that OU's trending for several guys right now. Yeah, I love the way they're trending for Stacey Gage and T.A. Cunningham. And look, as I have said many a time on this show, I think Stacey and T.A. are going together wherever they're going based on what I know. And I think Stacey Gage is coming to Oklahoma. And so to me, T.A. Cunningham was always going to kind of be the tag-along in that situation. You know, the one that maybe you worried, okay, is he is sold – at, on OU as Stacy Gage is because everybody considers it a formality that Stacy Gage is going to be a Sooner with his ties to the state, being from Hugo, having family uh, in and around Oklahoma. Gage was always a pretty safe bet to end up with the Sooners. Cunningham, not as much, but I tell you what, I tell you what, Tyler, based on the returns this weekend. And based on the interactions that Cunningham and his family had with the Oklahoma staff, get to the point where I'm I'm almost as confident that Cunningham is going to be a Sooner as I am that Gage is. Well, you kind of you said wherever Stacy Gage goes, like T. A. Cunningham might be kind of a like a throw in. He's going to go along. And, and when you say that, I think of all right, you know, he's a mid level three star. He's a nice player. No, no, T. A. Cunningham's a five-star defensive lineman right now. Stacy Gage is, what, a five-star as well. And, and rankings can certainly change, but the way that it sits right now, if your crystal balls are accurate, that would mean that OU would have at least two five-stars in the 2024 class, which is a pretty, pretty good place to start when we're talking about not this class, but next year's class. Yeah, man. and when you throw in David Stone, you're looking at at least three. And they yeah. may not be the only ones. Jeez, man. I, I'm, te- I'm telling you now, Tyler, right now, I believe Oklahoma will at the very least end up with a top three class in 2024, and I expect it to be the number one class. Yeah, um, that's – I think 23 is going to be a good class. I mean, they got four commits thus far. They, they've got a ways to go for sure, but anything could happen, especially with the prospects that they have. I don't think you're wrong in that – the first real loud class OU has is going to be in 2024. Again, 2023 can end up being a really good class, maybe a fringe top five class, but 2024 is starting to look like the class that can break into the top five and have multiple five stars in it. I, I think you're I think you're dead on about that one, especially if they're able to land a big-time quarterback in that class too. But Dang, you got five crystal balls in. T.A. Cunningham, five-star defensive lineman. Stacy Gage, five-star running back. Tell me about these other three guys you feel good about as well. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. You got Trey Wisner, the four-star running back in the 2023 class. You got three-star athlete Samuel Omasigo, and then four-star edge rusher P.J. Adebowore. Uh, the reality with those three is that nobody has really doubted that Oklahoma's in the driver's seat for Trey Wisner for the last year or so. Like, this has always felt like a when, not if type of deal. And he's going to visit Texas A&M. He's going to visit USC. 
I think that's just a whole lot of smoke, Tyler. And I know his his mom wants him at OU. That is for certain. And generally, mama's preferences uh, mean something to the kid. Not to say she's going to make the decision for him, but if she wants him at a certain place, the kid generally is going to give that place even more of a look. And DeMarco Murray has done a fantastic job in that recruitment. Wisner likes OU a lot, has been to campus multiple times. I find it hard to believe right now he's not going to be a Sooner when all is said and done. As far as Samuel Omasigo, this dude is the epitome of a Brent Venables football player, Tyler. He skipped the Under Armour next camp two weekends ago because he wouldn't have been able to go to church that way. Ah, yeah, no, that is. That, 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 that is that a Brent guy right there, yes. there's no doubt. Yes. Wow. So, uh, and based on the returns from his visit at the beginning of March, uh, I do feel that that is a guy that will be part of Oklahoma's class. And then P.J. Debaware, I know that kid kind of has an air of mystery surrounding his recruitment because he doesn't really talk to anybody. That said, uh, I've gotten to know P.J. pretty well, uh, gotten to know several of those elite prospects up in the Kansas City area, and I'll tell you this much, Michigan is still in play, USC is in play, Iowa is in play. But Oklahoma is very clearly the leader in his recruitment. Miguel Chavis has done a phenomenal job building the relationship with P.J. And OU is recruiting him as hard as anybody yeah. right now. To yeah. me, uh, he's already he's already made plans to come back for an official. This seems like one that could be over by the end of the summer in favor of OU. Yeah, and, and I'll give you credit for your uh, crystal ball predictions because you're not one that just hears, you know, one bit of information and says, all right, well, I'm going to throw out a crystal ball prediction. You actually don't make a crystal ball prediction, it seems like, judging by the numbers that you have out there, unless you feel really good, you, you've maybe heard it from multiple places. So this isn't just a off-the-cuff reaction from Parker. It, it feels like when he's putting one in, he's got to have some pretty good solid information that... Now, again, in recruiting, things can... Just because OU's the leader today doesn't mean they're going to be the leader come signing day, but at least as of right now, all five of these dudes, you you you, you feel pretty good. I do, and you know, it's not, it's not a cut and dried, clearly defined formula as to when you drop a crystal ball prediction. Yeah, for the most part, like, I'll wait till I, I have reliable intel from several sources of information as well as the athlete himself before I go ahead with a prediction. But in some cases, man, you just have a gut feeling. Uh, like Caden Green, whom I entered an OU crystal ball for last May. I just had a gut feeling with that kid. And for some, it's just, you, you know, you got to take everything in stride. Can't be willing to stick to a formula with this type of thing, but, you know, with those five, all for different reasons and with varying degrees of confidence, I do believe that OU is going to ultimately be the spot. So maybe we, uh, when we talked about this multiple times, maybe we have to readjust our expectations a little bit coming out of a recruiting weekend because previously it was, oh, God, we're about to be, see four eyeball emojis here. <laughs> so I, I, I definitely think that you can claim this as another successful recruiting weekend with just how close they are with so many guys, it just doesn't feel like they're a high-pressure staff right now. It feels like, Parker, they are really close, or the leader, 
for about seven or eight high-profile uh, recruits at this point. Yeah, those in all likelihood won't be the last crystal ball predictions I enter this week. So. Ooh. Little tease. There. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll revisit this conversation a few days down the road because there will there there are more. Text, there are more. Text line uh, gives a quote from Miguel Chavis on one of those OU football videos they released last week. You will not play for me if you're not violent. I need a predator. Hashtag goosebumps. Let's go. Hashtag, Hashtag will pack the palace. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. Do you think Will Smith could play for Miguel Chavis or what? I mean, from what we saw last night, absolutely. Yeah, he's not scared to just walk up and do something. Man. Yeah, uh, so good news. Good news on the recruiting trail. By the way, did Mike leave his glasses in here? Are, are these are these his glasses? Yes, those are definitely his glasses. Mike, it, uh, your glasses are right here in the studio, sitting right Hopefully in front of me. Hopefully he can see right now. So, yeah, because I think he's already driving home. If Mike, if you need these glasses to drive home, please. Turn around back to the station and grab these. I, I will uh, I will get them back to you. But, uh, man, okay. Big recruiting weekend elsewhere in College Station. Oh, boy. Do we have a uh, silent commit? Do Like, what's the latest on the Levius-Overton situation? Because we're watching. He had a uh, wild recruiting video. Where, I've never seen a recruiting video like that. It was, was intimidating. It was a very intimidating recruiting video. But I'm not taking that, uh, at least that video, as he's committed to A&M. What's, what's your read on the situation? Yeah, I don't think he's committed to A&M. And I'm still, I'm still trying to collect the overall 411 on Overton's A&M visit. But the reality of the situation is, as I have said many a time, as long as OU made it out of the woods with this visit to A&M, as long as Overton didn't pledge to A&M and still kept that OU visit on the schedule – I, I think Overton's going to end up at OU if we don't see an A&M commitment here in the very near future and a cancellation of the Ohio State visit and the Oklahoma visit. Because to me, you, you don't take all five officials and then circle back to the school that was the leader in the clubhouse before all those visits happen and moreover a school that hasn't offered your brother. I, I really, like, my gut tells me OU's going to end up with LT Overton. And my gut has been wrong before, but generally my gut has a lot better handle on things than my brain. Tell me if I'm looking too much into this. Okay. So as it sits right now, LT Overton will be in town for the spring game. Are, are there any other confirmed visitors for the spring game that oh, yes. weekend? Oh, yes, several. It, it, okay, several. Now... Brent Vittables, during his press conference today, like he addresses the media like, hey, in, in case you forgot, you know, the spring game is this many days away. Um, it's going to be a big day for us. And he mentions how big of a recruiting weekend that is. I, I don't know. Like, am I looking too into it? If it, like he brings up how big of a recruiting weekend it is, there will be other guys in town, none bigger than LT Overton, though. Like, kind of getting it out there, like, we need everyone there because we feel like we have a good chance with this kid if he visits on spring game weekend. Like, if he's still pushing the spring game and the recruiting aspect of that, clearly he's the biggest target out there. Maybe still on Monday he's saying that because they've got a good feeling that the A&M visit might have went awesome for him, but he's still going to take his OU visit in the end. I don't know, probably overthinking it a little bit. 
But that's what that's what I was hoping when I heard him say it's that. So it's so easy to like you almost have to overthink these types of things because, particularly with Overton being a five star, and with everybody's because because now you know it's kind of it's kind of becoming increasingly clear that Josh Connerly is going to be fighting on with the Trojans. Overton's the one guy left in the 2022 cycle that everybody's waiting on, and so. The eyes of the entire recruiting realm are going to be trained on his recruitment and his visits over the next month as he winds down to a decision. And so, yes, by the end of it all, we will have analyzed this from every angle. And we will have overthought it. We will have underthought it. We, we will have accounted for every possible outcome. And who knows? At the end of the day, maybe he ends up going to Oregon. Yeah, it's just it, this is the type of situation that <laughs> we're probably going to be talking about it every day until he decides. Text line says maybe the OU recruiting staff needs some glasses to get a better look at Cole Adams. Oh boy! Oh wow! Okay, uh, McComas. I know we are excited, but you are yelling. Thune comes across smoothly. It could be your mic is turned up, dude. I'm excited today. What do you, What do you want from me? I'm not. That's, five crystal balls are in. You expect me to be quiet about that? No, thank you. And Parker's telling me they could be the number or a top three class coming up in 2024. You may be silent. I, however, will not be. Tonight, why? Why, okay? are, why are people upset that you're excited? I will. Uh, I will be bringing the yelling today. That's for sure. All right. Hey, I want all the texts today. Hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Oh, you had another practice today. What happened in Norman, we'll tell you coming up next, right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439. OU back out on the practice field today, and here was the quote of the entire afternoon. This is from Billy Bowman, who is going to factor in on special teams this year. Billy Bowman says, quote, This year we'll be able to take more free returning kicks, and stuff like that. We weren't really allowed to return kicks unless we needed it, end quote. Which is malpractice. Um, Absolute malpractice and utter disrespect for everything that Shane Beamer stood for. Yeah, I complained about a lot of things last year, but none more than, you know, fair-catching kickoffs at the 10-yard line. I just thought that... That was just stupid and ridiculous and soft and all all the words. And Billy Bowman pretty much confirms that is that we he, he confirms what we already knew. We were told not to return kicks unless we needed it. Thank God that is not going to be a thing around here anymore. Thankfully, a program like Oklahoma, who's really never been known for being soft is no longer going to have a soft approach to uh, special teams. They're actually going to try to make big plays on special teams, Parker. It's amazing how that happens. OU's actually going to be aggressive. They're going to try to return kicks. Sounds like they might try to return punts as well. Thankfully, special teams might be back at OU this season. It's about time. Speaking of Shane Beamer, it makes me wonder, do you think what it all is said and done a couple decades from now, Lincoln Riley will have been the most successful head coach on his own staff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Shane Beamer could uh, throw up three nice years here coming up here. Like, the, as quickly as Shane Beamer turned around South Carolina, it makes me wonder, oh gosh, is the first member of Lincoln Riley's coaching tree going to ultimately outperform him as a head coach? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. I, 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 I wouldn't bet on that happening at South Carolina and the SEC East compared to the Pac-12 South, but I think we're all uh, rooting for that to happen. So, okay, good. Who was uh, out there returning punts today? You had Marvin Mims was out there. Drake Stoops was out there. Uh, Billy Bowman is out there. Uh, I'm sure maybe one or two more guys will Eric, factor in. Eric Gray was getting some reps. Robert yeah. Spears Jennings okay. was also getting some reps. By the way, love this quote from Danny Stutzman on Brent Venables. He says, and this is courtesy of Eric Bailey, the fine sports writer at the Tulsa World on Twitter, I have a switch, says Stutzman. I can be a funny guy, but I hit that field and I'm competing. I think his Venables switch broke. I think he's 120% every second of the day, which is awesome. You need a guy like that leading because people are going to follow. And with that being said, how energetic he is and, you know, just, just always moving about. I'd love to see him react to Billy Bowman fair catching a kick at the 10-yard line in the OU Texas game. Could you imagine what Brent Venables would do <laughs> if, someone, if someone did that? And text line is saying right now, okay, well, I hear you, but the analytics do support, analytics do support fair catching kickoffs. No, shut up. Time. Shut up. Stop playing devil's advocate for Muleshoe. I, I know. We I, will not stand for this. I, I'm not. Like, I'll, I'll pay attention to analytics and, and definitely – there is an area for analytics in the game. But, guys, we've seen it firsthand, okay? Um, seems like every single year, Kansas State is returning a kickoff on OU. Why not be aggressive, man? Why not be aggressive? Yeah, maybe the analytics say that you could lose, you know, three to four yards of field position by trying to return a kick instead of fair catching it. But, dude, that, it, it's more to me about the mentality of special teams, like, why would you not, especially when OU has better athletes than, what, 95% of the teams that they play on an every-year basis? Why would you not stick your best athlete back there and try to make a big play on that side of the ball? Kansas State's able to do it on a regular basis. Kansas State doesn't have half the athletes that OU has up and down the roster. But Kansas State is able to make special teams work and make big plays. Why can't Oklahoma? We've seen OU in the past make big plays with punt returns, kickoff returns. OU is capable on it. They just have to they have to actually emphasize it. I I am all about maybe maybe there's going to be times where you start at the 21-yard line versus the 25-yard line. That's fine, man. I'll I'll take that chance because there's going to be a few times a year where you're going to pop one and take one back to the house. And in my mind, there's no bigger game changer, no, big, no bigger momentum swing than a big special teams play. Again, we've seen that firsthand, right? Whether it be the Houston game in 2016, the Kansas State game in 2020, the Iowa State game in 2020, I can point to a lot of games where a special teams play is the big difference in the game. OU's not creating those anymore. They're on the wrong side of those things here recently. To me, re not returning kicks is indefensible. And I'm not going to hear the whole analytics argument because – Look, the reality, and what you would probably hear from Muleshoe is, well, we want to put the game in the hands of our offense. We trust our offense to move the ball. Okay, well, if you trust your offense to move the ball, 
what's the worst that's going to happen? You end up disadvantaged by 5 to 10 yards of field position. Well, your offense, if it's as ballyhooed as you make it out to be, it'll be able to get you those 5 to 10 yards on a play or two. If you're worried about fumbling, that's why you work on ball security. That's why you spend time in practice on ball security drills. To me, there is no downside to returning kicks. Okay, obviously there are exceptions to this rule. If a kicker places a really well-placed squib kick down in the corner and it rolls into the end zone and you just got to take a knee because you're going to get swarmed at the five-yard line if you got to take it out, sure, I get not returning it. If he puts it eight yards deep in the end zone, which few college kickers do these days, sure, I understand not returning it. But we were, for the most part, Tyler, we were talking about Mario Williams or Eric Gray fielding a kick within, like, within the actual field of play. With a five or ten yard with line. momentum going forward, yeah, you know what I mean. It's not like they were backing up and they had no momentum. They were moving forward, catching the ball at the ten yard line, and still calling fair catch. Like I, I there's no way that you can justify that Again, one for me. Malpractice. And I'm not saying that this would happen, you know, multiple times a game or every single game. But man, when you put the pressure on someone, especially college kickers, mistakes sure do tend to happen, right? And if you got a guy back there or a couple of guys back there who are prone and notorious for having big-time kickoff returns, OU is known as, man, you better be careful when you kick off to these guys because they are dangerous. They can take it back to the house at any time. Yeah, people are talking about fair catching it. You start off at the 25. But how about you put the pressure on someone, Parker? How many more times would guys try to kick it away from someone and kick it out of bounds instead. Well, there's an extra 10 yards that you have. right. I'm just saying, when you put the pressure on teams, good things can happen. And I want to make a list of the losses that OU's had the previous five to six years and count how many big special teams plays were in those games. Two happened in 2020, your two regular season losses. K-State had that blocked uh, punt. Iowa State had that big kickoff return. I mentioned Houston in 2016. Oklahoma State this year. We all remember when Oklahoma State had a big kickoff return for a touchdown. When OU's lost games, it seems like more times than not, they've been on the bad side of a special teams play. What might OU look like if you not only eliminate those mistakes, but create special teams opportunities for you down the road as well? OU going to look like a pretty OU going to look like a pretty good football team if you add in that element of Uh, dynamic special teams play, too. The Sooners' last special teams return touchdown was a punt return for a score by Dede Westbrook against Kansas in 2016, Mm -hmm. Tyler. That's how long it's been. Okay, mark this date and time in history. March 28th, 2022. Billy Bowman's going to have a return touchdown this fall. Wow. Okay. Hey. He will. Text line. And text line does not forget. I, I might forget, but they will not. Make sure. Make sure the text line remembers. Because listen, for anybody that watched Billy Bowman in the return game in high school, that that shouldn't sound like a hot take. Yeah. Because he was arguably the most dytermi- dynamic return man in America. I don't want to sound like a dinosaur. And say that I don't care about analytics or analytics are dumb and you should never use them. 
analytics have a place in the game. Sure, I do not place as much emphasis on other guys out there, but Parker, it just, like, I can't get over, well, let's not return kickoffs because analytics say that it's bad, that we shouldn't do it. Like, that mentality to me is just, I'm sorry, but it's a loser's mentality, in my opinion. I am going to, yeah, we're getting real close to me getting on my analytics soapbox again, and you don't want me to get on my analytics soapbox. Oh, I kind of do, actually. Oh, man. Now, we're, we're running up against a break. I'm, okay, I'll give you the abridged version. We have completely ruined analytics. <laughs> analytics are no longer analytics in the sense that they're not used to find a competitive advantage. They are now used to manipulate the numbers into producing any kind of conclusion you want. They're used to uh, justify making dumb decisions on fourth down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, guys, coaches will do that and then cite analytics. These days, you can make analytics say whatever you want it to say. You can make an analytics based, and I'm making air quotes as I say analytics based, you can make an analytics based case for anything and throw numbers out there to back it up. Analytics, no, like the heart of analytics has been lost. And I am not saying that analytics as a concept is fallacious or flawed or not useful. What I am saying is that it has become so diluted and so ubiquitous that I can't, I, I can't stomach it anymore. I don't want to talk about analytics. I don't want to hear why analytics says this or analytics says that. The fact of the matter is, if OU is going to win a national championship, it's going to have to put a whole lot more emphasis on special teams. Because most likely, moving forward, and I think you and I are in agreement, OU's about to get better talent on campus, especially defensively. But will it still be true that Alabama up and down the roster might be a little bit more talented than you? Probably so. Sure. Is it going to be true that Georgia still up and down the roster is going to be a little bit more talented than you? Sure. Sure. So how do you even the playing field? How do you get over the hump on that? you got to win special teams. And OU hasn't even paid. It's almost like they haven't even cared about special teams previously. It's a third phase of the game. It's super important. And if OU is going to get over the hump and win a championship game, they might have to win one or two games because their special team is really good. Text line saying, well, remember JT Thatcher? Remember Antonio Perkins? I do. I also remember the 2000 Kansas State game in Manhattan where JT Thatcher takes a kickoff all the way back to the one-yard line. One of the most important plays of the game. I remember the 2000 OU Nebraska game where OU blocks a punt in that game. One of the biggest plays in that game. Now, did Kansas State return a punt uh, for a touchdown in the Big 12 championship game? Sure, but that 2000 championship team was pretty good on special teams, and it was a reason why he was able to go on and win a national championship. Antonio Perkins, probably the best punt returner we've seen in school history, We saw how much he changed things that year. So it matters, man. And OU's going to have to be a team where special teams is really, really, really good to get over that hump. All right, more of your text coming up next on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. More to come next. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. I guess we're talking about special teams today, Parker. That's what the uh, text line is saying. Keep it coming. 
Uh, this one says, we've had some of the best kickers in the country the past decade. You agree with that? I do, actually. If you're talking about the past decade, you have Austin Seibert hmm. and you have Gabe Burkich, and that about covers the gambit. Like, I guess you got the last couple of years of the Michael Honeycutt era, which was an adventure. I'm, 20, thinking, I'm thinking about a lot of guys. Kansas State game. I'm thinking about a lot of guys that had success early on in their career and maybe didn't finish the way that, you know, like, came back to the pack a little bit. Um, Gabe Burkich got off to an incredible start, but, you know, struggled at times last year. Uh, there, it just seems like there's been kickers before that have gotten off to really good starts early on. And Sean, who's been a longtime listener to the station, has pointed this out over several years, is he says, why do our kickers get worse after having a great freshman or sophomore season? Uh, text line says special teams is reserved for athletes. Analytics would say that re-kicking to Tyree Keel was the right thing. So much for analytics. Bingo. Also, I love this. Some, someone has memed the Will Smith-Chris Rock interaction. <laughs> Parker to analytics. Parker and analytics. I love that. Uh, and LR didn't put his best, best athletes on special teams. Yeah, it was just kind of like a – Throwaway. Type okay, of yeah, thing. get the, get the walk-ons out there. Yeah, okay. draw them on out, I, I and think, uh, we'll fair catch it. I feel like in the early two thousands, they had like starters out there covering kickoffs. Now Russell Dennison wasn't a starter per se, and God knows that this program could use a Russell Dennison right now on special teams. But it was actually an emphasis to go down there, uh, cover kicks and then make some sort of a play on special teams. It, it just It's another opportunity to get one of your best playmakers the ball in open space. It's a free opportunity to get one of your best playmakers it, the ball in is, space. Isn't that what football is seemingly all about today now with these offenses? Whoever your best playmaker is, get them the ball in open space. Well, and there's no better opportunity than that than on a kickoff Exactly. How, how many times throughout the course of a game do you get a true playmaker the football in that much space? Never. You uh, Oftentimes, you don't. You go an entire game, 80-plus snaps on offense, and no player will ever have as much space to operate with the ball in their hands as they do on special teams. And obviously, we're never going to be talking about Oklahoma returning a kickoff or a punt for a touchdown every single game. But four or five plays over the course of a season, four or five big plays on special teams, those can be the kind of things, Tyler, that distinguish a championship team from a great team. And there is a distinction to be made there. Not every great team is a championship-level team. The, the example I always cite in this discussion about special teams and how it can contribute to a championship-level football team, Tyler, you don't have to look any further than kick six. In 2013. Yeah. You think Auburn's winning that game if they go to overtime? No, of course Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If they don't win that game on that play, Bama Alabama's wins the national championship that it, year. Yeah, Alabama's going to the national championship and beating Florida State. You know, we make fun of Alabama for the kick six, but we all realize who had a kick six a couple of years after that, right? Houston against Oklahoma. I forget about that, man. Yeah, yeah we, we make fun of Alabama. And Alabama had a little bit more on the line the last game of the regular season than OU did the first game of the regular season. 
But that's that's what I'm saying. Is special teams has been has been poor now for a while. Kendall Just says saying. Kendall says Cole Adams would be great on special teams. <laughs> Maybe he would, but I don't think we're going to be finding that out here at uh, OU. Agree 100% on your guys' take on special teams been frustrating under Muleshoe. I understand it's harder to block punts now than it's probably ever been with the rule change and the formations and all that, but I'll go back to my original point. If you attempt to block punts, if you attempt to be aggressive, no, you're not going to block every single punt. And in fact, like you just said, you're going to go games between making a big special teams play, right? But if you put pressure on teams, good things can happen. Maybe the punter, maybe he fumbles the ball, right? Maybe he fumbles the ball because he knows that a rush is going to be bearing down on him. OU is going to be trying to block a punt. Maybe it's a bad snap. Maybe a snap over the punter's head. Maybe the punter completely shanks it 12 yards out of bounds. You put pressure on something, good things can happen. That's what I want to see OU do. Be aggressive. Put the pressure on teams. And you know what the overarching issue with Lincoln Riley's football teams for five years was, Tyler? They let the opponent bring the fight to them. Exactly. Yes. Straight up. They let the opponent bring the fight to them. And that manifested itself in a myriad of different ways throughout a football game. But in a general sense, that was 1,000% the case. Oklahoma and Muleshoe let the opponent bring the fight to them. You can't do that and expect to be playing for a championship in January. You know, 2017 and 2018, OU was so good on offense that they could almost forfeit special teams and still be good enough offensively to get away with that. That's how good OU was on offense in 2017 and 2018. They never really won the special teams battle, and they never really played great defense, but their offense was so good that they could make up for not winning the other two sides. But we saw, as we move forward, that the talent gap became closer and closer and closer with the other teams, And no more could OU just ignore special teams. They continued to do so, and we saw how uh, quickly OU came back to the pack these past two years. You got to win special teams, man. How many teams? How many teams, Tyler, have won a national title with just an elite offense? Um, I don't. I mean, the only argument you can make is Auburn in 2010, but they still had a pretty. They had a better defense than. than I mean, that's yeah. That's that's a team that held Oregon and that high flying offense is 19 points in the national title game. I would say the only argument you can make is Florida State actually in 2013 when they had up until LSU in 2019 the highest scoring offense in college football history. To me, over the last two decades plus, that's the only team that you can argue had the foundation of their championship formula on the offensive side of the football. You got to have it, man. You got to have it. And Bama, Bama, they've had problems with kickers now for, what, 10 years? Yeah, I mean, it cost them dearly in 2019. It may have cost them two or three national championships. It it legitimately may have. It legitimately may have, but it seems like other areas in special teams they're they're pretty good. They just they just can't just can't find a kicker. So I hope uh, whether it's Marvin Mims, Drake Stoops, Billy Bowman, 
Eric Gray, whoever it is, I hope there's more emphasis. Text line on says 2010 Auburn had Ted Roof as the D coordinator, so you know they were dominant. <laughs> nice. That's I the, forget that, man. But he was he was the defensive coordinator. They had on that uh, team. who Nick Fairley up front on the Nick defensive Fairley. line. That was their yep. that was their big name. All right, we got one final segment of Locked In coming up next. You guys are killing it on the text line. We appreciate it. Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439. One more segment next. All right, final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. A Packers fan texts us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line and says, Yeah, as a Packers fan, let me assure you, special teams are necessary. Ooh. <laughs> that one's got to hurt. Me had kept uh, Green Bay from a Super Bowl this year. So we literally, I barely even dipped our toe into what happened in practice today. Mentioned uh, the punt returners that were out there, and then we got into a whole special teams conversation. Um, anything else that, that happened at practice today that was that was noteworthy? Well, you got Damon Harmon and Nick Anderson suited up and practicing in full, which is good. They had both sat out last week, uh, both with wrist injuries I believe I know Damon Harmon's was a wrist I can't remember for sure exactly what Nick Anderson's was but it was some arm injury of some kind but you got those two back practicing in full uh, Andrew Raym had a boot on but he had pads on so it doesn't look like anything that isn't precautionary there uh, Kobe McKenzie was fully dressed in pads as well but he was sitting out a couple drills that I observed so not sure what the situation might be there. Uh, regardless, on the whole, just really, really impressed with the organization sure. of practice. And, you know, in talking to people close to the program, that's one of the reasons why they've added so many analysts, Tyler, is because the analysts can run the practice from an organizational standpoint, and that allows the coaches to coach. That allows Brent Venables to dig in with the linebackers. That allows not Todd Bates around. to give personal attention to the defensive linemen. That allows Joe John Finley to take his four tight ends and really, really hone in on what they can improve on. Looks like Billy Bowman's just a straight safety now. Uh, yes. Not going to be moving around in the defensive backfield. He is a safety, and that's where he's going to stay defensively. I, I like that. He's he's a sophomore now. Find where he fits best and keep him there because if you find a place where he fits best, Parker, we're talking about a guy that's you know probably going to play there for the next three years. I, I, I like kind of solidifying him in a spot than just moving him around all over the defense. I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I do think Bowman's versatile, and I do think just given the struggles he had at outside corner last year, he probably has more of a chance to have an immediate impact for this team at safety. He'd, he'd need some work if he was going to contribute at outside corner, and I, I, I get the sense. This gives me the sense all the more that they're going to move toward having that uh, nickel position at it, as it has been in Alex Grinch's defense, be that hybrid linebacker oh, yeah. type of guy that you've seen at Clemson. So maybe you don't see a true nickel, at least not with regularity in Brent Venable's scheme, but – Make no mistake, Billy Bowman is highly athletic. He is dexterous on the football field. There is a reason he was starting as a true freshman at the nickel for the Sooners, and he will contribute. I don't know if he'll start. He will contribute. Yeah, um, th this spring is really important for his development to kind of lock down one of those safety spots. Training camp will be the same, and from here until the start of the season, Parker, we'll name 15 guys just on defense 
who could emerge as you know one of the best defenders on the team. And out of the 15 names that we mentioned, Billy Bowman needs to be in that group, man. I mean, this is a big offseason for him and one that could solidify himself as a starter. He, he's got a ways to go. You're right about that. But he takes care of things. He kind of grasped the system and the position. He got a chance to have a uh, really nice season. Uh, a couple other recruiting notes. One, OU commits, OU quarterback commit, I should say. Jackson Arnold, he will get the invite to the Elite 11 Finals. Uh, he got that honor at the regional in Dallas this weekend. So he is uh, already, what, a fringe five-star now. And this certainly won't uh, hurt his popularity going to the Elite, uh, Elite 11 Finals, man, especially if he performs well out there. No, and he's not going to win the Elite 11 Finals because there's enough politics involved in that whole process that I can promise you it'll be either Malachi Nelson or Arch Manning. But does, does Trent Dilfer still run that? Trent Dilfer does he's, run that, yeah. He's a West Coast guy. I'm going to go ahead and say it's Malachi Nelson that wins that one. I, I think you're I, spot that, on that about is, that That one. is who my money is on as well. If I'm mm. at the Kentucky if I'm at the Kentucky Derby picking a racehorse, Malachi Nelson uh, is whom I'm grabbing my ticket for. Uh, but, yeah, if, if he performs well at the Elite 11, uh, if he flashes in the camp environment the way that he has on the field at Denton Geyer, He's going to pick up that fifth star. Last one. Apparently, Texas did a fantastic job this weekend hosting Arch Manning. And, oh, boy, Colt McCoy was back in town for practice as well. What you gonna, what you, you thought they were going to say, yeah, that visit sucked. Texas dropped the ball. We're not going back there. would be pretty it, awesome it, 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 It'd be great that. If, if that were the case, but let's keep it within the realm of reality. The Rush coming up next right here on The Ref. Keep it locked in.